So getting started in 2013, with, with that's when we registered the company on our college campus as college students. We actually got our product in stores. It took about three years, right? So after three years, we, get, we finally launched and got our first commercial account. Welcome to the Wealth Generator Podcast with your host, Dorian Carter. Thanks for, for joining us today. We're excited today to talk uh, more about wealth building. And, you know, we bring some of the top people in the world that's doing business and showing you various ways to do wealth. You know, I am CEO of On Point Partners and On Point Commercial. We are a commercial real estate firm that focuses on building wealth. So we don't like to look, just look at real estate though. We want to talk and tell our folks about various ways to do it. And today I'm so excited to have Mr. Michael Baptiste. Uh, Michael, how are you doing today? Doing, I'm doing excellent, sir. How about yourself? How are you today? I am great. I am great. So excellent. we'll talk a little bit about what you do. So for my audience, tell me a little bit about yourself and your background. Absolutely. So I'd rather be transparent and let you know, unlike most people who start off with rich parents and successful families and all of those uh, people that just kind of pass the wealth down, I was actually born to a single mother, a teenage mother in the inner city of South Miami, Florida, while my father was locked away in the penitentiary. So for me, I started out with a situation where I had to find a way to be successful. I had to find a way to be my own man. And eventually through many, 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 many trials and tribulations, I figured some things out for myself. And so with that background, that really inspired me to want to become successful as I got older. And then I put in a lot of work over the years. And in college, I discovered internet marketing. I got into it. And when I did internet marketing, I started making money. I started creating success. And then I did a seminar. At that seminar, there was a student there. He had an idea called banana milk. I was like, man, banana milk, that's going to blow up and be big one day, man. I'm in to help you. I'll help you with that. And so we decided to partner up. They gave me founding equity in the company. I became a co-founder of that company and literally helped that company go from an idea as college students in our dorm rooms. So we went out and we actually raised over $2 million in startup capital for that business. And we were able to grow that business into over 4,000 retail stores in the commercial market. And on top of that greatness, uh, we were even able to take that business and actually exit that company. So okay. that's a, a little bit about my background. And with that experience, I decided to start coaching and teaching and training other people on how to, how to create their own products and services like we've been able to do. And, uh, and with that, it's led me to be able to help a lot of people around the world, uh, to be able to travel the world. And uh, that's just a little bit about my background. I, I don't want to go too deep into it because there's more to share, but that's just a little bit about me. Wow. I tell you, that is amazing. Of course, Florida boy, you know, I'm from you know. Jacksonville, Florida, too. You know, Duval, hey, Florida. you know how we do it. <laughs> we love Florida. And so, yes, sir. man, awesome work you've done, man. I'm, a, I'm excited about it, man. And what really got my attention was the, the banana milk. I must profess, I don't like bananas, but I specifically oh. grew up around my grandmother, my aunt, my mom, they cut bananas up in their frosted flakes. So I remember that for years. But the, the name caught my attention. And then when I saw, started seeing that you were getting products into companies, it caught my attention as well because I've done mostly retail. Well, I did retail for years. I started out in shopping center. So I know 
retail around real estate. And I know how important it is to have products and for stores to have revenue. That's really the key to paying the, the lease on commercial real estate. So that's awesome. Tell me about how, how that all happened. Tell me what specifically about what you do in getting products and how that process works to getting products into the store and what you do. Absolutely. So I, I'll start with a, with a bit of my background because that will I feel like that'll give uh, the audience and those of you listening more value from, from today's session. So I actually got started. I was playing basketball in college and I thought I was going to the NBA. And, uh, and after two knee surgeries, I realized something. I needed to find another way to be successful. So that's when I st started to find, you know, search for other ways to be successful. And I discovered internet marketing. Well, I started in my college dorm rooms and I was making money online for my dorm rooms. And then I realized something, man, I can help other people with this. So I started offering services and I actually decided to go out there and deliver my own seminar to other college students to teach them what I was doing to make money online as a college student. At that seminar, about 100 students attended. And in the audience was a man, uh, or another student rather, who had an idea called banana milk. And I was like, man, that doesn't exist. That's going to blow up and be big. I'm in to help you. I can help you with that. So they decided after negotiations to allow me to come, out, come on board. And I was awarded with, uh, with equity in the startup business and also the position of a co-founder in that company. Well, when I came on board, I literally helped them like formulate everything from the, the elevator pitch, to some of the marketing strategies, um, helping with the process of sourcing suppliers, working with manufacturers, working with distributors, and all of these things to take the startup from what it was in order to be able to be in order to be able to launch commercially into the marketplace. Well, after raising about seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars in initial investment capital from friends and family as well as angel investors. We were able to go out into the marketplace in 2016 and launch our product commercially. In that process of launching commercially, we went to Whole Foods grocery store and we, we tried over and over and over and over for literally almost two and a half years to try to get into Whole Foods grocery store. Well, by the time we had a commercial product ready to go, we, you know, they noticed that we've been trying for two and a half years to get in their stores, right? So by the time we launched our product commercially, they were ready to, to test our product out. And at that, at that point in time, we got into our first 27 stores in the state of Florida. In 2016, we had, a, we had tremendous success. The product was not able to stay on the shelf. We kept selling out and selling out and selling out. And before you know it, other stores caught attention uh, to what we were doing. And Walmart actually reached out to us and asked us if they could buy our product. Now, if you know anything about retail, Walmart, they, they, you know, they're going to tell you what they're going to pay. And that's pretty much it, how the deal goes. Yeah. But in our situation, we had a unique case where they were like, hey, look, this is an innovative product. Like it doesn't exist anywhere else. And we want it. So we're willing to work with you guys on the pricing, which was, um, not, you know, it's not very common, if you will, when dealing with Walmart. Absolutely. But when that, when that took place. <laughs> yes, it's not. Absolutely. So when that took place, that actually uh, got us into a few Walmart stores. And um, we were the product was able to move successfully. It began, it began to sell out of Walmart, Walmart stores. And, um, and after that, momentum kicked in and other stores took notice and they started ordering. And before you know it, um, it, it became, you know, it became history. It became history. And so that's a little bit about what got us started. And the process of getting into retail, you know, that's not easy. I'll be honest with you. It's not easy if you don't know what you're doing. We didn't know what we were doing. So for us, it was very challenging. But once we got the hang of it and we figured out, oh, you need to talk to this person. You need to tell them this. You need to have this information available. Oh, this is what you need. This is what they're looking for. Okay, 
And once we got that information down, it became a simple process of using that information, reaching out to the specific people, and we were able to get product in more stores and more stores and more stores. And eventually the momentum picked up where we built a team, we grew our team, and we even, had, we even uh, put a management team in place to run and operate that business while we were able to go out and do other things with our lives. So that's so, a little bit about that process, but, uh, but yes, go ahead. Yeah, so tell me, let's talk time frame because in this world of uh, make it, get it out there and you're wealthy and successful tomorrow, let's talk about your <laughs> time frame from getting this thing started because that's where the, the meat is at. We, we're such an impatient society and in the real world, it don't really work like that, right? So tell us a little bit about that. Absolutely. So we got started with the business in 2013. However, my business partner had the idea way back in, uh, I mean, I think what, maybe like 2000 and 2008 or 2009. That's when he had the idea because his grandmother used to make it for him when he was a child, but nobody was carrying it in stores. So he wanted to take grandma's juice and put it out there into the commercial markets. So getting started in 2013, with, with, that's when we registered the company on our college campus as college students. We actually got our product in stores. It took about three years, right? So after three years, we, get, we finally launched and got our first commercial account. In 2017, that's when we actually went back to Walmart to, to renegotiate a deal to go nationwide. And then in 2021, um, we were able to actually exit that business. So from time to start to time to exit, it was about eight years in total. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely makes sense. And that's the reality side of it. So the, the and I product wanna, itself, go ahead. Yeah, I, I just want to say something, right? Because you mentioned something that's very important. Um, you know, with, with my coaching business that I also have, this is something I tell all clients. I'm like, look, this is not something where you put it in a microwave, right? You put your idea in the microwave and it pops out as a million dollar business in 10 minutes or like three minutes. Yeah. It doesn't work like that, ladies and gentlemen. I just want to let you know it takes time. Now, whether that time is five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, it's totally up to you. You are the variable in the equation of success, okay? Success leaves clues. If you can follow the clues, then again, you are the variable. And it's just about, you know, making sure that you follow other people that are successful, model success, and, and, and add your own flair into it. And look, just be patient and, and, you know, don't be focused so much on the results. Enjoy the process. Because in the process, that's where you learn the lessons. That's where you have the fun. That's where you go through the challenges that make you grow. That's where you become a greater person than you are today. So enjoy the process, be patient, you know, uh, you know, put the time into it, put the energy and effort into it. And look, if it takes you five years, if it takes you 10 years, if it takes you 15 years, when that time is over, you're going to be able to live a life like no one else around you will be able to live. So it's worth putting the time into it. And just, you know, that whole microwave thing where you, you know, overnight millions, just get that out of your head. Cause that, that I, I don't know if that's real. It hasn't happened for me. And I'm telling you from my experience that it's better to be patient and put the time in for success. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, great information in the mantle I stand on, uh, especially around real estate. You can do a, a real estate deal pretty quick, but what people don't understand, you got to get some profits and reinvest. It's, you ain't going to mm. just be wealthy all of a sudden. <laughs> Nothing really works like that. So I'm glad uh, you said that and shared that. So talk a little bit about product placement and what that is, uh, the process itself, pretty familiar with supply chain. You know, I've studied, I've had uh, owned 
uh, different parts of it. So I understand the, the movement of goods, but the product side of it is a whole thing that I'm not familiar with how that process uh, goes to kind of get it from idea to now I got something and it, it might may and may not start uh, sell in the open market. Absolutely. So the first thing I'll begin with is whenever you have a product or you know something that you want to create, the, the very the most important thing that you need to make sure that you have is supply. Now, supply involves the content that goes inside of the product. And that also involves the pack, the paper, the packaging, the bottle, the wrap, the sheet, like whatever it is that you have to, to like uh, to present the product commercially. These are involved in the supply. Right. So we've got to have a supply. Now, that means, you know, sourcing it from a farmer. Right. If you're talking about some some form of an agricultural ingredient, um, that means, you know, sourcing it from a, a, an electronics company. If, if you have an electronic retail product. So whatever your product is, you got to have that supply because if you don't have the supply, you won't be able to sell and meet the demands of the market. So that's the first thing is having that supply. The next thing is that like when it comes to the packaging, the packaging is extremely important because that's the first thing a person sees. So whatever they see about that packaging, they're going to perceive that your brand or the content inside matches that packaging. So if your packaging is poor, but you have a great product inside, people are going to think it's a poor product because yeah. of the packaging, right? Yeah. If you have a great packaging, but it's a poor product, people are going to think it's great, even though they drink it like, oh, this is not that good. <laughs> you know, wow. what, what is this? Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's crazy, but like that's that's a big part of it is uh, the perception and the packaging is really, really important. So once you move beyond sourcing the supply, uh, des designing and developing, you know, eye-catching packaging that's going to catch people's attention, the next thing is, where are you going to place the product in the shelves? Now, this is where you must be very strategic because when you walk in a retail store, there's many different shelves, right? There's a bottom yeah. shelf that's kind of close to your ankle. There's yeah. there's a shelf above that that's maybe like at the knee level, if you will. A shelf above that maybe at the hip level. A shelf above that that's maybe at the uh, maybe at your uh, you know your 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 uh, let's say your lower shoulder muscle, right? Lower yeah. shoulder area right there. Um, and then there's there's even one that's probably eye level. Most times it's eye level for most people. There's one that's usually just above your head, and there's probably either one or two more above that, right? Yeah. So when we talk about placement on those retail shelves, understand it's like real estate, and yeah. they're not building new shelves in most stores. So yeah. whatever whatever shelves you see, that's all the real estate available. So what happens is that based on the placement of your product, that can either benefit your sales or hurt your sales. So let, let me give you an example, right? Let's say you sell toys, right? So you sell these toys in the in the retail store, and you know that the people buying toys are normally children. So it would not be a very smart idea to put those toys on the top shelf. <laughs> yeah. Because you know I mean? yeah. how are the kids gonna see them? They can't see them. But if you position that uh, toy on the bottom shelf, and the kid walks by, they're like, "Ooh, mommy, mommy, look, look at the toy, look at the toy." Right? And, and you know what I mean? Because of the placement of the product, that product can be visible. To that target customer and so for example if you are you know if, if you have a a product that's catered towards you know it, it's catered towards uh moms right let's say let's just say for example it's a it's a, a beverage product or, or a snack product that's catered towards moms a better place rather than to have it at that bottom shelf where the mom can't see it, it, yep. it, it it's better to have it where it's more eye level right so the mom who's walking by she's scrolling her head looking she can immediately see it because it's eye level and she can go check that product out so like that's something very small and minute yeah. plays a major role in, in um in terms of the attention and visibility 
of your product in the retail shell in the retail stores, right? And and the placement. Another thing that most people don't really know is that when, when you're doing when you have product available in stores, nobody's gonna know about it if, if there's no awareness about it, right? So when we talk mm -hmm. about placement, one thing that's really important is having marketing teams and demonstrations and samples where people can sample the product and, and test it out. And then once they sample and test the product, someone actually points them to where the product is placed at on the shelf. Yeah. This is something that's really important. And a lot of companies that don't succeed in retail, they don't do this. They don't sample, they don't you know, uh, allow people to test the product, especially if they're a newer brand, if you will. And when people don't know about it, they don't test it, they don't taste it, they don't buy it. And when they don't buy it, that product, when they do uh, when this, so every six months, most stores do like a, a shelf reset, a store reset, where yeah. whatever's not selling, they get it off the shelf. Whatever is yeah. selling, they, get, they, they add another spot or two spots so it can sell more. So yeah. most of those companies that don't succeed in retail, they don't do things like focus on the product placement and focus on the demonstrations to let people sample the product and then direct them to where the product is placed at on the shelf. So, you know, that's just a little bit about product placement. You know, th okay. there's so much more that goes into it. But again, we don't have time today, but I, I yeah. just wanted to definitely share some tips today. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about systems now. As I understand it, certain products uh, sell better at certain stores in certain demographics. So I know demographic research goes with this as well. So tell us a little bit about how your you kind of choose your stores and how your product what market your product focuses on and then how does that go into how to place it in the right stores so outside of physical location inside the stores what about the the decision making around demographics and who your product is focused on or who's your target market for it yes sir so you asked you asked a couple of different questions. I'm just going to do my best to answer them yeah. based on what I remember you asking. Uh, <laughs> so the first thing I'll say is that, uh, you know, the number one thing of, of it all is the customer. Like who, who's the consumer? Who's consuming this product? That's going to determine what stores you try to go into, what events you try to go to, what areas, what neighborhoods, what cities, what states. All of that is important. Um, and, and it all goes back to the customer avatar. So for us, this is this is our product right here, banana wave, banana milk. You guys can check that on out. Bam, there it is. Yeah, <laughs> yes sir, yes sir. So so with this product, right? Um, this is you know the 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 core of this product is bananas. It's about twenty five percent bananas. So that's the majority of what's inside of the, uh, the product. We had to ask ourselves which demographic of people love bananas. And yep. after doing so much research, we found out there's a lot of people that love bananas. But then we had to ask ourselves. Who, you know, of these people, which ones buy bananas the most? And we actually discovered that uh, normally it's, it's uh, between the age ranges of uh, about 25 to 44, okay? Hispanic uh, mothers, usually in, in a household of three to four people. Um, and, and, you know, I, I, it's, it's not coming to me right now, but like we had like the median salary and uh, an average earning income for how much that person earns. So we actually like like really detailed and described who this person is, right? And yeah. then once we figured that out, then we went and targeted the areas that had the highest concentration of this demographic, which is why yeah. starting in Florida, I don't know if you know, but Florida, well, you do know, because you, you can do ball, yeah. but Florida has a huge population of Latinos. So yeah. for us, it was an ideal place, either Florida or California, but because the reality is that, you know, that's where we met and, you know, 
Florida has a huge market there. We decided to start there. And, and in terms of uh, targeting the stores and how to figure that part out, so what we did was we had to do research. Okay, which stores have the highest amount of our target demographic? Because mm -hmm. some stores, let's, let's say, for example, um, like Payless, right? If you go to Payless, you, you'll find people there that don't really have a huge amount of, uh, of um, extra spending money, right? They, don't have, they, they maybe don't have a... And I'm, and I'm not trying to judge anybody because yeah, yeah, I shot that Payless when I was growing up. So yeah. <laughs> ain't nothing wrong with it, people. But, but, you know, you have to like look at, okay, who's the person that's coming into this specific store and purchasing products? But then if you look at another store, like let's say Nordstrom's, right? Um, more of a higher end type of store. Okay, those people, they have a different uh, level of spending income. And, and so because they're in a different spending bracket, they can go out there and buy more product. So you have to take a look at that. And when we took a look at the demographics, we recognized that Whole Foods grocery store have had not only our top demographic, but they have all the other demographics of people that are spending, you know, high ticket money and they're willing to spend high ticket on, on a beverage product, right? Because wow. our, our competitors sell for about $2.39. This, this product, uh, our manufacturer suggest, suggested retail price goes anywhere from $3.99 to about $5.99. Wow. And Whole Foods came out the gate at $5.99. You know what wow. I mean? Like some stores were at $6.49 and people were, it was selling out. They couldn't keep it on the shelves. You see what I'm saying? So that's yeah. how important it is to know your demographic, know where are they going and where are they shopping, and then placing your product in front of those people so they can just pick it up and buy it because they're already interested in this specific yeah. thing. So, yeah. so you know, that goes to show demographics and all of that research uh, plays a big part. And um, I hope I answered all your questions. I think yeah. there's something yeah, else that, I'm missing. Yeah, that that is great. Okay. I wanted people to get a general idea of because me, from a real estate standpoint, that's that's a there's a reason why McDonald's is on the corner, Walgreens, CVS are on corners. It's it's a reason why they're on the morning side. Certain stores on the morning side are going home side, and it works hmm. exactly like that for product placement. You said that. The grocery store is real estate. <laughs> so yes, sir. the right <laughs> locations are the right locations. But then outside of that, when we that's why you see certain retail stores in the locations that they are based on the demographics and your products mirror that. And so I wanted people to get an idea of all of this stuff is about user and how people use and how people operate and think. And you're just using your mindset to understand, just look at what you do. <laughs> and you can, you know, that's how everything really, really works. And it works in product placement. So tell us about the opportunities to build wealth in product placement. Absolutely. So the opportunities are literally endless when it comes to product placement, because there is an infinite number of products that you can create and come up with. And even if you come up with one product and it becomes a hit, you can create multiple variations of that product. So for example, right, we had our banana wave banana milk. This product was an absolute hit, but we knew that we, we had to follow up with something else. You know, I'm a, I'm a big music fan. I love music, you know, hip hop, reggae, uh, EDM, all of that, man. I'm, I just love music, even rock and roll, all of that, everything. I love all music. But the thing is when the new artist comes out and they drop a, a great song, right? And it hits the top of the charts, everybody's sitting like, okay, what are they going to do next? Yeah, like, yeah. What, what song are they coming out with next? Yeah. What's the next album? Right. So yeah. we already saw that. We already saw that coming. And so what we decided to do is with this product, 
Once it became successful, we were going to drop the next one and then the next one and another one and another one. Yeah. And so we ended up dropping about uh, five different variations of this product with two different sizes. So we, we, we have the original. Uh, we got the we got the chocolate, the mango, the strawberry and the unsweetened for, for those Ooh. who are, you know, want less sugar, if you will. And so we have the 32 ounce and we got the eight ounces as well. OK, so that is that I'm just letting you know, like the product, the possibilities are endless. And this yeah. is just one type of product. Now, I got some other ones that I have in mind. I guess we got some other ones we're working on now behind the scenes. And, and I'm just saying, you know, like the possibilities are literally endless. It's about your creativity and how willing you are to, to, to see it all the way through to the end. In terms of being able to generate um, significant capital, you know, one of the things that most people don't know is that when, when you sell like one or two units of a thing, you only make profit on one or two units, right? And that can be yeah. kind of small, especially if you're selling a $5, $10 product. Yeah. However, if you were to take that same product and rather than selling it one by one, right, you, you sell it in bulk. So instead of selling one unit, you take uh, a case that may have six units or 12 units and, and you put, let's say, uh, 75 cases on one pallet of product. And yeah. then you sell five pallets of product to one store and they buy five pallets this month and then yeah. they buy five pallets next month and then they buy six pallets next month and then 10. Oh, man. The possibilities are literally endless. And if you can think big like that and think yeah. about selling your products in bulk to, to, to large retail stores, online retail stores, um, e even event companies, um, you know, uh, uh, convenience stores, gas stations, uh, drug stores, okay, pharmacies. If you yeah. can think bigger, then you can literally, the possibility is endless. It's just about how creative you are um, and, and how, how, how much you desire to go out there and get it, right? Like th those are the things that, uh, that I would say. And one yeah. thing to keep in mind is that, you know, our, our business, we didn't become profitable until year, until like almost going into year four, right? So out of eight years, you know, the first four years, we were, we were negative and it was, it was very, very difficult. Yeah. But once we became profitable, things became better and the rest is history, so to speak. So what I'll say is that when it comes to being able to uh, generate wealth with retail, it's really about reinvesting your profits. You want to reinvest as much as you can you know, as fast as you can. So that way you can get more return, right? And the more return you get, you invest more and then you keep growing, keep growing. And eventually you get to the point where the business takes care of all of your living expenses and more. And then you can, you know, it takes care of the team's living expenses and you can literally scale that business up and it'll be able to profit and, uh, you know, just run itself in, in terms of profits. Like it'll be able to grow if you will. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's huge. And sometimes we get away. We don't even, understand i mean you got all of these publics walmart whole foods across the country and when you get distribution mm -hmm. like that you know product moves <laughs> and you can certainly say uh it takes a takes some time you got to have some patience to do it but you can eventually uh do it or get your product in there and then produce more but then also that's your track record of getting products into stores and that's a big pro uh, track record when you can get before retailers and say i've done this no different than i know it's a lot of it's produced but it's the questions they ask on shark tank all the time right you know what mm -hmm. what have you sold now at this point why should i invest right and so yes, uh, so tell us a little bit about the the process of i know you talked about it a little bit 
beforehand, but what it takes to kind of get it into the store or go through the process. And I know some of it's proprietary. You got your coaching, but give us enough for people to say, okay, I'm going to look for Michael Baptiste to uh, join his coaching program and get this great idea, this product. I've been a big mama's recipe. I want to get into into the uh, uh, store. Tell us about uh, what they really need to know to to get moving forward and what it's going to take. Absolutely. So if it's okay with you, I would like to over deliver on this question. If that's okay with you. Yeah, that's fine. Go on. All right. Beautiful. So um, I literally just did a, a webinar tonight. Um, we had almost 100 people sign up for it. And, uh, and, and on that training, I, I revealed the seven pillars that, that we went through. So I'm, I'm going to give them to you right now so that at least you know them in, in a short amount of time. And then you can make a decision from there. So the first pillar is you need to have supply. Again, goes back to what I said before. Raw materials, um, you know, bananas, oats, you know, like the, you know, the farmers, you need to connect with them. Paper, packaging, so that way you have commercial ready product, right? So these things are important. The next thing is that you need to have a way to manufacture that product. I do not recommend cooking it in your commercial, in your kitchen, and like trying to sell it to the store. I don't recommend that. Don't do it. Please don't make that mistake. Don't just, you need to have a commercial grade manufacturer in place that can produce your product at scale, that already has the FDA approvals, they have the GMO, they're GMO certified, non-GMO certified, excuse me, right? And they have all of these different certifications in their facility. This is gonna save you time. So you don't have to do a manu build a manufacturing plant yourself, do not do that. We thought we had to do it and it was a big mistake. So if you mm -hmm. find a, a manufacturer, outsource to them so they can make your product at commercial scale. The next thing that you're going to need in this process, you're going to need to be able to pick that product up from the manufacturing facility and you will need to store it somewhere. So that means you're going to need to have shipping and warehousing taken care of and established. This means you need to have either relationships with these types of companies or reach out to them and find them so that way you can hire them to do the shipping of your products to your warehouse and you can store the products in your warehouse safely and securely. Now, once you have the products in your warehouse and you're ready to rock and roll, then comes the next step of actually finding people to distribute your product. Because the thing is, retail stores, even if they like your product, they're not going to buy from you. Yeah. I know it's like, wait, wait, huh? What do you mean? No, no, no. They're not going to buy from you. The reason why is because, look, you might you might oversleep. Okay, you might have a small van. You may not have enough, you know, leg room in the van to deliver product. You may be late. There's all yeah. types of things they, that can go wrong. So rather than, uh, you know, uh, putting that responsibility on you, they prefer to order from a distributor. Because the distributor, they're professional, they have trucks, they have vans, right? They, they know how to lift things up. They got dollies and pallets and they know all that stuff. And they're yeah. in business specifically picking product up, delivering it to someone else and driving back and forth, doing it every day, all day. So they would rather go with a trusted source such as the distributor, right? So that means you need to have a distributor that you work with or multiple distributors that you work with and where you're part of their network as well, okay? So the next thing, after you got that distributor, then you need to start reaching out to retail stores. Now, this is important because the retail stores, if they don't know about your product, how can they possibly be interested in buying it? There's a specific process we go through, and um, you know, I walk my clients through. I'm not going to go too deep into it, but I'm just telling you what to do in this, in, in this moment. Once you get the retailers interested in your product, they, and they say yes, they're going to buy your product from the distributor. When they buy your product from the distributor, then the distributor is going to buy it from you and pick it up from your warehouse. They're going to take it to either their warehouse or take it from your warehouse to the to the retailer's warehouse or storage facility. OK, once you move past this process, then comes the consumers. 
right? Now, these are the people that walk into the store, you know, you and me, we walk and we're like, oh, whoa, 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 what is it here today, right? Like those people that buy product, it comes, it comes the next process of making sure that we fulfill those consumers, create awareness in the minds of those consumers so that way they can go into the stores and buy the product, which means that in order to create that awareness for the consumers that we're gonna focus on, then we must focus on marketing and advertising. A lot of companies don't do this. They think, oh, once I'm in a store, I'm good. But then six months later, the, the company's like, hey, your product's not selling. We're gonna we're gonna, we're gonna do a charge back, yeah. okay? And give you your product back and get our money back because this thing's not selling. Yeah. So rather than having that happen, marketing and advertising is an absolutely crucial piece of the system. And when you put all of these seven together, I mean, let me just break them down again. Supplier, okay? Commercial manufacturer, um, you know, uh, shipping and warehousing, distributors, retailers, the consumers and marketing and advertising to make the whole system work. These are absolutely critical. And when you do this long enough, the next part of it is, which is the eight things you need to have an exit plan, whether that's sell the business, merge with another company, um, you know, um, hire a new CEO so they can run and take over the company, or if it's just dissolve the business and end the business, like whatever your exit strategy is, you must have an exit strategy. A lot of investors that we talk to, um, they, they, they were attracted to what we were doing because we had an exit strategy in place. And so, um, you know, for those of you who are out there listening, think about an exit strategy. Like, do you really want to be doing this business for the next 80, 90 years? Or would you rather, you know, do it and then do something else and then start a new business and then do something else later, start a new business, right? Like yourself, Dorian, you're not just a real estate guy, man. You got commercial real estate, you got investments, you got other things going on. You got properties here, properties there. Like you're doing multiple yes. things and I'm, I'm certain you're going to continue to expand and evolve as you keep going in your career. So as most of us want to evolve, you know, I, I just recommend having an exit strategy because it's man, it's so much you can do in life. Once you once you know the blueprint and the, and the and the strategy of how to get products out there, you can create so many more products. Like it's yeah. unlimited. It's you know you are the limit, if you will. Yeah, and so that that's the process. Yeah, and I'll I'll tell you, you know, I'm I'm about to turn fifty two, and I thought for sure I was going to be running businesses forever. But that is no longer the strategy. The long, the strategy, and when I'm effectively doing it now is acquiring businesses that are already in place. And I, I, I too have mm -hmm. uh, learned, you know, even I got a master's degree in supply chain, but I've owned a trucking company, so I've studied the whole supply chain. And people don't quite understand <laughs> these products you don't see the in-between. You see it on a train and then you see it on an Amazon or UPS truck, but there's a lot of in-between, you know, to get stuff from manufacturer and even before that, the creative part about it and then the systems in place in between. So thanks for explaining that because uh, people think it's sometimes it's just you snap your fingers and you got all of these things together, but you're dealing with, multiple companies uh, throughout the supply chain that really join together, but are independent operators. And it's like music being able to put all that together. So you definitely need a service like, like you have because people have ideas, great ideas, and they just need uh, some coaching to, to get that up, uh, up and running. So Great, great. I mean, I love that. Uh, love the ideas around it. Let's talk about uh, one more thing that I think is pretty, 
uh, we want to talk about that's important is let's talk about margins. I know we talk about uh, multiple stores and having your products and pallets, and we all have heard, or most people heard, that the margins for grocery stores are very thin. And so let's talk about margins for your product and kind of where they need to be. And I know it varies from product to product, but percentage-wise, what should we be looking at for it to, to, to make sense or just give us a good idea of what that looks like? Absolutely. So when it comes to your product and pricing your product, let me just start with this. You must have multiple tiers of pricing for your business to thrive. Let me break that down. When I say tiers, like you got to have a product. So you're going to pay to produce your product. If it's a dollar, 50 cents, you know, 25 cents, 30, whatever, whatever the cost is, you have a cost. You must factor in to your pricing. How much, like how, how much, how much do I need to sell this product for in order to profit? Okay. So if you, if you made the product for 50 cents, you sell it for a dollar. That means you just profited 50 cents. Okay. That's the first pricing structure to keep it simple. The second pricing structure you must have in place or second tier is a tier for distributors because these people are selling the product. They need to make something too. And if they're making nothing, they're not going to sell nothing. It's, it's that simple. Yeah. So if you sell it to them for a dollar, right, and they sell it, resell it for a dollar and 50 cents, that means they just made 50 cents on that product. Okay. Yeah. So that's the second tier. The third tier is a tier for retailers. Now, this is a tier where the distributor is gonna is gonna um, sell it to them. Boom! They, they now they own it. It's, well, they they have it. It's theirs in their possession, and they're gonna resell it to their end consumers. Okay. So you need to build a pricing structure in place so that way. Let's say the retailer buys it from the distributor for a dollar fifty cents. They're gonna uh, upsell that product. Well, they're gonna resell that product for two dollars. In 50 cents. Mm -hmm. So they make a dollar off of every single unit of product sold. So if we if we go back to the, to the beginning again, you pay 50 cents to get it made. You, you sold it to the distributor for a dollar. They bought it from you for a dollar. The distributor takes it, this product that they bought for one dollar, they resell it for a dollar fifty cents. Now they made 50 cents, you made 50 cents, and now they're gonna take it and resell it to their uh, clients. The retail stores, they bought it, bam. They now bought it for a dollar fifty. They're gonna resell it to their end consumers for a dollar uh, for two dollars and fifty cents. They made a dollar, right? So you made fifty cents. The distributor made fifty cents. The retailer makes a dollar. That's just a, a simple breakdown of it. Yeah. Now, when it comes to specific numbers, um, you know, you you should look to have your margins anywhere from about, I mean, to really keep yourself a business man, I would say maybe you know thirty five percent should be the lowest. Uh, maybe even thirty eight percent. Um, and then you want to go up to as high as forty five percent. Anytime you go beyond 45%, you know, you could be killing the other people's profits, right? Yeah. Because if you are selling it for 60 cent, uh, 60% uh, profit margin, then that means that the distributor can only make like five cents or, or maybe yeah. even less. So what you want to do is you want to have that in place for yourself. For the, for the actual distributors, they want to make anywhere from about 25% to about 32%, maybe even 35%, right? And then when it comes to the retail stores, <laughs> oh boy! Now there, some of those guys are funny, man, because usually they want to do, um, you know, I would say, yeah, I, I would say maybe uh, anywhere from about thirty to forty, maybe even forty-five percent margin, profit margins. But yeah. sometimes 
man, they'll up, they'll up mark that thing up and they'll make a hundred fifty percent profit sometimes. Wow. Like, you know, it's just it's yeah. just the retailers, man. That's how they do because they're yeah. in control. Yeah, right? they're they the ones are. in control yeah. of the end consumer's purchasing product. So sometimes yeah. they'll do that, but typically about thirty to forty. 45%, that's what the retailers are looking for in terms of profit margins on the products that they sell. So if you can uh, structure that into your business any kind of way, then you'll put yourself in position to have healthy margins throughout the course of your business life. And you'll also put your partners, meaning your distributors and your retailers, you're gonna put them in a position where they will be happy with their profit margins on your products as well. Yeah, and that's cool. We definitely wanna see people stay in business and a lot yes, of sir. times people don't set their structure up, proper cost, uh, cal allocate it to products to make sure that they do stay in business. So, man, I just want to thank you. Those are, I mean, that is, I learned a lot today because, you know, even though you know supply chain, there's always pieces you never see when you look. I'm a <clears> big <throat> picture guy, so I understand the end to end, but... I like to get down to the nitty gritty and that manufacturer creative side is pretty interesting to me. It ain't what I do, but I like to recognize businesses out there that do it well so I can maybe invest in them. Right. But uh, so Absolutely. let's talk about your goals going forward. What's next for for Michael Baptiste going forward? And uh, I know you live out of the country. A lot of people don't know that. That's why it's probably what what time is it there now? Oh, it's uh, 7.49 p.m. here okay. on a Tuesday night. I <laughs> got it. Oh, I'm in the future. Good. I'm Another in the future. Day. <laughs> <laughs> so, yep. what's, yeah, so what's next? Yes, sir. So what's next for me is uh, we're, we're launching this. We, well, we just we, we launched a coaching program. Uh, we, did, we did a soft launch so far, and uh, we will probably do a larger launch to the, raise the awareness in, in the marketplace to more people so that way they can learn what we did to innovate and create a new product category in the non-dairy milk alternative market. And with that, we're going we're gonna to take this coaching program and the goal is to help as many people as possible. In my mind, I'm seeing us being able to, to reach at least 10,000 people with this program. You know, we get there in a short time, a long time. It doesn't matter because for me, it's about the impact that I get to make with my legacy here on planet Earth. So that's one thing that's up next. Um, we, do, we do have another beverage product we're working on uh, with, with the... Uh, with another partner of mine. And um, that's something exciting. I'm not going to reveal the details yet because it's an innovative product. <laughs> and if I tell it, people are going to copy it all because they copied us in the last one. <laughs> so I, yeah, I, I'm just going to say we got another beverage product coming. Um, outside of that, I'm also working on my own fitness brand. So it's a combination of fitness, wellness, and also uh, basketball, so athletics, because I played professional basketball in Thailand. I became one of the leading scorers. Actually, I became the number one leading uh, scorer and number one leading rebounder. And I was the first one in the Thailand Professional Basketball League in 2019 to achieve that award. So because of that, I have, uh, I've been able to develop a, a name or kind of a, yeah, yeah, a name through professional basketball here in Thailand. So yeah. I'm going to pursue, like I said, creating my own wellness, fitness, and um, athletic brand combined with a bit of inspiration and motivation. It'll, it's going to be something innovative, something that's, uh, yeah, something I think that the world needs because it doesn't exist right now. So uh, that's uh, that's something I'm working on, and with the intention to, of course, start online first. But we will eventually get into retail stores in America. We'll eventually get into retail stores in Thailand. Um, we'll also expand it to other countries through some of the connections, the network that I have. Um, that's something that will be that's on the horizon, if you will. 
Um, with that, we'll also be bringing in supplements. So we'll, we'll have our own supplements, um, possibly even some coffee and uh, some other cool things coming on, coming on the back end of that. And, um, and so beyond that, what, what else will I have lined up? Just just pursue a lot of the passions that I had as a kid. Yeah. You know, gr growing up, inner city, big dreams. I dreamed of becoming a rap star and, you know, I dreamed of playing <laughs> professional basketball. So I played basketball already, but uh, at some oh. point in the future, man, I, I definitely will uh, open back up my vocals. Yeah, we're going to see yeah. the album coming. I know it. I know it. <laughs> I, I saw you two throwing some weights around. You and, you and two... <laughs> Two other guys looked like they was uh, muscles popping out of their forehead, and then they was egging you on. I see you throwing away. I know a lot coming. I know it's a bunch coming now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, well, you know, I, I'll also say this because uh, I'm, I'm a person who, who believes in dreaming, and I actually know how to go make my dreams a reality. So one of my dreams outside of playing professional basketball was to become a bodybuilder and actually win a championship in bodybuilding. So that's something that I'm pursuing in my, that's one of my passions. It's not really um, something I'm going to be successful in business with, but it's one of my passions, just like basketball is a passion and I became professional in that. Um, so, so that's one of the next things up is becoming a professional in that sport, if you will, and, uh, and using it as a way to inspire other people to take yeah. care of their health, take care of their wellness. And, and uh, yeah, just to motivate people, man, and bring, bring some positive light and positive energy into the world. Yeah, I, I I absolutely believe that any connection, anything that you do is an opportunity not only to help people, but help yourself. So you're making connections that sometimes you don't see. I mean, at this point, you know, some some connections I'm reconnecting on people that were just the introduction years ago and now I'm working with. And so, Fantastic. Uh, yeah, that's that's an awesome thing. So tell our audience how they can get a hold of you. Uh, through social media, website, and that type of thing. Absolutely. So if you are on social media, if you're on Facebook, you can find me and reach out to me. My Facebook is, uh, so if you type in facebook.com forward slash Mr. Michael Baptiste, you will find me. That is Mr. Michael Baptiste. And if you're on Instagram, you can follow me, Mike underscore Baptiste. And it's the same on TikTok, Mike underscore Baptiste. If you're on TikTok as well. If you're on YouTube and you just type in Michael Baptiste, you should find me. It should come up. And if not, type in High Ticket Freedom and you'll be able to find us on YouTube. We also have a free Facebook group where you can join our free Facebook group. Just go to facebook.com forward slash groups slash High Ticket Society. Or you can type in the search tab, the High Ticket Society, and join our free Facebook group. We have that available as well. And if you'd like to get in touch with me to learn more about our coaching services, you can visit our website, highticketfreedom.com, to learn more about what we do there. We also offer a free training that gives free information about how to get started with your own online or high ticket business. And if you'd like to learn more about our retail coaching, right, you can visit uh, the retail business activator dot, well, excuse me, retail business activator.com to learn more about that program. And if you'd like to email me, you got questions, just, you can send me an, e an email, okay, at our professional email address, info at highticketfreedom.com. Again, that is info at highticketfreedom.com. And again, make sure you go to our website. We, we, we give out a free training. We give away two free eBooks to help you begin your education with learning how to become your own entrepreneur and, and build a successful business and attract more clients to your business. So that's a little bit more about how you can find me online. All right, Michael, thank you for joining us today. And uh, you know, we've pl pl pledged to do some more work together. So I'm looking forward to it. Sure. Well, folks, thanks for 
joining us today in this absolutely outstanding interview with Mr. Michael Baptiste. I'm Dorian Carter, the real estate wealth generator. And you can reach me in a couple of different places. Of course, I train in commercial real estate. I teach individuals how to build wealth while doing the things that you love. And I can be reached at workwithdorian.com. And of course, we do commercial real estate across the United States where we acquire and invest in various types of real estate. And you can check me out on both of our websites, which uh, is On Point Partners with an S and On Point with an E.com or On Point Commercial.com. We'd love to work with you. We would love to uh, work with uh, folks that are pursuing wealth through commercial real estate. Thanks, folks, and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode.